I want you to get your Bible turned to Exodus chapter 13. Verse 17, 18, and 21. Let me say this before I get any further. Next Sunday morning, I know that you saw the promo on the screen, but next Sunday morning, we in the second service, this service will be joining with uh, the Hispanic congregation who is currently meeting right now over across the parking lot. Uh, on any given Sunday, you don't, you may not know this, but our Hispanic congregation is really growing, and um, there, uh, there, there's probably a hundred to hundred and twenty of them on campus every Sunday at at eleven fifteen. And so that is an amazing thing. And Pastor Randy's been on our staff now for five years. Uh, he pastors the congregation. And in the service next Sunday morning, their worship team will be doing the worship. And it is awesome. I'm telling you guys, I love the worship. I love the Latin, the Latin flair. And, and, and they're, they're excellent. I'm telling you, these guys are, uh, this band is premier. And they do a lot of the worship in this area for big events. And so they'll be up on the, on the platform. They'll be leading worship. And Pastor Randy will be preaching next Sunday morning in the second service. And so I want to invite all of you to come. And we'll join just, just, just like we do. But they'll join in with us. We'll have a great service uh, celebrating our five-year anniversary. A special, there's a special singer. She is, I don't know her name, guys. I apologize because I'm, I'm not familiar so much with the culture. But they tell me that she's very, that Pastor Randy says she's famous. He said, you know, down in, in South Texas, where she's from, and all of the United States, in, in the culture of the music that she sings, she's very well known. So they're expecting a good crowd. Uh, she'll be here and be ministering in song, and then he'll be, he'll be preaching. It's going to be a fun time, a meal afterwards. Anybody that comes to second service is invited to eat dinner. If they only come to the first service, they can't come back to dinner. They've got to come to the second service. But here's what I've been telling everybody. I told him in the first service, I said, you know, I think it'd be awesome if you came to the first service and came back to the second one. And, and for you all that maybe you would consider next week coming to the first service and the second one. And you say, well, why would I do that? I'm already going to be at the second one. And it's for this reason. The message that I'm preaching today is a part of a series. I'm preaching part one this week and, ne and next week is part two. But I'll only be preaching in the early service. So if you want to hear the message, you have to come to the early service next week. But... If you say, well, I just flat can't, then it's still going to be on the website. You can download it, listen to it. But I will encourage you to. And I think that by the time we get finished here today, you're going to say to yourself, I'm going to do that. Because this is one of those words that I believe uh, has the ability to change your life. And it's going, to, it's going to take me at least three weeks to preach this message. And it is called the Red Sea. And it is taken from the experiences of the children of Israel uh, as they were on their way to the Red Sea, and I, I'm not, I don't go, all, I'm not going to go all the way back to uh, Moses and the burning bush. I'm not going to take you that far back, but I'm going to start this today at the place where that Moses has gone to Egypt, and he has gone to Pharaoh and said, "Let God's people go." Pharaoh said he won't do it. There are several plagues. The last one is the worst one plagues that are sent upon the, the land of Egypt in order to get them to turn God's people loose. God's people had been there for hundreds of years as slaves. And now God has sent a deliverer to them to, to deliver them from their slavery. But Pharaoh says, I'm not going to let them go. So the last plague is the worst plague. And it's the one where that all of the firstborn sons in the land are killed. 
doesn't happen to the children of Israel because they are covered by the blood that they have applied to the doorposts of their life. And the angel, when he comes through to kill him, he, he, he exempts the children of Israel, but all the other families lose their firstborn son. So when they awaken and see what has happened, can you imagine the grief, the heavy grief that covers an entire nation? And at that point, Pharaoh says, that's it. That's it. I quit. I can't fight your God any longer. And he turns the children of Israel loose. Scripture says that the children of Israel, on their way out, they gather up the spoils of their enemy. The enemy, the, the Egyptians are so glad to get rid of them at this point that they're just handing them their valuables. Here, take this and get. 600,000 men, not counting the women, children, and the others that the Bible talks about, went with them, causes us to know that the entire number that is leaving the land of Egypt and headed toward the promised land is over 3 million Three million people or more are now out of Egypt and they are headed toward the promised land. Sometimes you're just ready to be somewhere other than where you are right now. Isn't that the case? And so the journey begins. That's when our text kicks in. It's in Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God didn't lead them on the road through Philistine territory, although that was the shortest route. God said, if they see that they have to fight a war, they may change their minds, go back to Egypt. So God led the people around the other way on the road through the desert toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites were ready for battle when they left Egypt. Verse 21, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a column of smoke to lead them on their way. By night, he went ahead of them in a column of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. We're going to talk over the next few weeks about obedience. We're going to talk about deliverance. We're going to talk about the result of going through the Red Seas in our lives that we face. But today we're going to talk about the way to the Red Sea. We're not going to get, we're not going to, get to the Red Sea today. We're going to talk about the way to the Red Sea and not directions to the Red Sea. We're going to talk about the way that God led these people to the Red Sea. Are you ready? You got your pen and your paper? Get ready to take some notes. These people, these Israelites, were not ready for the Red Sea yet. They are rejoicing. They're excited having been liberated. They think that they are ready to celebrate some kind of a victory. But this is not their victory. This is just their first day of freedom. And they don't know what victory looks like. These are people who have been slaves for hundreds of years. We need to understand before we go any further that victory only comes after the battle. You don't get to celebrate victory before a battle. And a lot of people are praying right now in the midst of a battle that God would give them victory. And God is saying victory doesn't come until after the battle. Victory doesn't come until after the test. Well, that's what I'm saying, Lord. I want the test to be over. God says I'm the determiner of when the test is over. Victory comes after. They're going to face an enemy at the Red Sea, but they're not ready for that. Not in their present condition. And God knows what they need. What they need is time. They need time to learn. They need time to grow. They need time to trust, to heal, to prepare. Even the seasons that are preparing you for the Red Sea are difficult. Did you hear that? Even the seasons preparing you for the Red Sea are difficult. Not just the Red Sea. 
every test getting you to the Red Sea is difficult. That every test makes you stronger and makes you more able to face the next. And so the Bible says that when Pharaoh let them go, they didn't go straight to the land of promise. Instead, they went straight to the land of tests and trials. Ooh. He said, that's not how I've always thought about it. I thought, you know, they were slaves and Moses comes and gets them and they're let out. And immediately they're free. They've got the spoils of their enemies. This is awesome. This is a day of victory. It's not a day of victory. It looks good. It looks like a day of victory. But they haven't been through a battle yet. They haven't been through the test yet. Instead, they're leaving slavery and they're entering into the land of tests and trials. If we told that to all of our new converts, as soon as they were being born again, they'd be too discouraged. Keep on going with them. If we said, all right, you got saved today, shout a little bit, get excited, tell your neighbor. But guess what? Tomorrow, you're going to be under the gun. I mean, you are going to be under the attack. And that's what happens, isn't it? Any pastor that tells new converts otherwise is lying to them, setting them up for failure. When he tells them, okay, if you give your heart to Christ, then from then on, it is easy sailing. I mean, your life is going to be one. I'm going to tell you right now, you give your heart to Christ 100%, you're in it. You better get in church, stay in church, get in the word, get full of the Holy Ghost, because the enemy is coming against you with everything he can now. You're in it. So celebrate, celebrate the having left the bondage, but, but get ready because you're going into the land of tests and trials. So how is it that God led them? And you want to write these things down. Number one, verse 17 says that God led them the long way. Does that sound like the way you want to go? I don't know. What's that mean? Understand this. If God had taken them the short way, did you know that the destination where they were headed to, the trip would have only taken them about three weeks had they gone straight. Instead, it took them 40 years Anytime there's a place you could get to in three weeks, it takes you 40 years, is the long way. Some of y'all have been on vacation with your husbands and they go the long way because they don't want to ask no directions. They don't want to turn on that navigation system. I know how to get there. I'll find my way about three days later. Can we just ask somebody? No, we don't need to ask. I know where I'm at. The sun's right there. Judging by the sun, it's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, that whole thing. We got too much pride. to. I know right where I'm at. <laughs> A three-week journey took 40 years. Why would God allow that? Because it's spelled out for us. God knew that if he'd have taken them the three-week way, that they were going to have to go through Philistine country. And they didn't want to fight. They thought they were ready to fight, but they're not ready to fight. And he knew that if they got out there within just a few days' time, they're going to run into an enemy, get into a battle. They're going to get discouraged, quit, and go back to slavery. Hear that? So God's leading them the long way. It's a safe way. It's a hard way, but it's a safer way. Because if he leads them the long way, it gives him time to, it gives him time to grow them up. It gives him time to, to speak to them. It gives him time to encourage them. The short way might seem like the best way to you, but God knows the long way is the better way for you. Gives him time to build a relationship with you so you won't quit when it gets hard. Hmm. They're not ready to fight their enemies. They'd be discouraged immediately. They didn't know how to be free. 
These folks have been slaves for hundreds of years. There's not one person there besides Moses and, and, and Aaron who even understand what it's like to live a free life. This, these three million people that they're leading have all been slaves all of their lives. You have to learn how to live free. New, new converts have to learn how to live free. You don't know how to learn. You don't know how to live free. You've been living in bondage all your life. You don't know what freedom looks like. You don't know what, what that means. You don't know how to walk in liberty. The short route's not going to work for you. You need the long way. And maybe that's the reason why some of you haven't completely gotten victory over Satan for your current struggle. Because maybe God knows you need that struggle to keep you on your knees. You say, well, pastor, God immediately delivered me from this, this, and this when I got saved. But I've still got this thing or this thing or this thing. Three or four things, maybe. I've got things going on in my life and I keep struggling with them. I keep repenting for them, but I keep fighting about it. Why don't I get victory? Why do I keep having this struggle? Well, maybe it's God's way of keeping you on your knees. Can he deliver you? Yes. Will he? Yeah. Uh, Ultimately, obviously. But God may be leading you on the long way home. You may be on the long way. The long way means that that you struggle and you fight, but it forces you to your knees. It forces you to fast. Gives God time to work on you. You may have to get to heaven on the long route. If God were to allow you to face the enemy right now, you might get discouraged and quit, go back to your old ways, and God can't have that. So he's letting you go down the long way, which is the less difficult path. And you say, it's not less difficult. You don't understand, Pastor. My road is really, really hard. I'm saying to you, your road may be hard to you because of where you're at right now. But for those that have gone before you and have made it successfully home, they would say to you that it gets harder as you go and you haven't had it nearly as tough as you think. I'm ready for victory, Pastor. No, you're not. You're going to get that way. You're going to be there someday. That person that's already graduated on to home, you know why they're there? Because they're ready. But they paid a price. You aren't in heaven yet because you still have some red seas to cross. You still have some battles to fight and some victories to win and a lot of things to learn and a lot of folks to bring with you. Your road may seem long and hard, but it's the right one for you right now. And it's the one that's going to lead you home when it's time. So don't get in too big of a hurry because God may be in his mercy leading you on the long way home. And the second way that he led them is found in verse 18. He led them the other way. God led them the other way. And it's spelled out. What's this? This is a crazy route. This is an insane route. Why would God pick this route? It spells out what the other way is. The other way is the road through the desert toward the Red Sea. Who wants that road? Who wants, who would pick it if they said, okay, we're going to go from here to there. This is the short route. It'll take you three weeks and, and there's a lot of stuff along the way and there's trees and water. But this is the long way and it goes through the desert and leads you to a Red Sea where you'll ultimately be confronted by enemies. who are going to try to drive you into the sea. And you'll say, I'll take this one. Nobody takes the other way. Nobody takes the other way. Yet it's the way God leads. What's God doing? And this verse in the second part of verse 18 says that they were ready for battle. But you need to understand something about that verse. 
There's controversy about that verse, depending on who you talk to. Some of the, some of the guys will tell you that, 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 that when it says that they left prepared for battle, that it simply means that they, that they walked out organized in lines and that they were marching like soldiers, but they didn't have any weapons. There's other people that will tell you, no, they did have weapons because the region that they lived in for so many years as slaves required that they fight enemies even though they were slaves. They were still having to fight off enemies that were kind of trying to come in and invade and take their stuff. So they had it weapons and they were, they were, they were prepared to fight. It doesn't matter which way you believe it. It doesn't make any difference how you believe that. It doesn't change the major point. The major point is this. Whether they had weapons or not, they're still not an army. The enemy that's coming behind them is an army with chariots, with trained soldiers, soldiers who have shields and spears, who are organized. If these guys have weapons, as the children of Israel, it's a knife, it's a, it's a plowshear, it's a blade of some sort. But they're certainly not prepared to use them against an army. So. They don't. Need to be having to face up to this mighty enemy at this point. They're no match for the Egyptians, no matter how you want to look at it. But here you are, you see them in this, this picture that you get. They're moving, they're marching, they're glad, they're free, right? And, and they're carrying all these goods, but they're novices at freedom. They're feeling pretty confident about themselves. They may think that they're ready to fight for land and freedom, but God knows the truth. God, God knows that even though they're marching along with spoils and, and, and they think they're strong, that they're really not. This feels like a good day to them because they're free and they got stuff. Things are different today than they were yesterday. What's the point, Pastor? Just because you've been to a revival and you got knocked down in the spirit and even spoke in tongues, that doesn't make you the Apostle Paul. Just because you had some kind of an experience that was really awesome and God spoke to your heart or a word of knowledge came, just because something supernatural happened in your life, that's awesome, but that doesn't mean that you're ready to charge into hell with a squirt gun. There's a lot of wisdom and maturity that's coming down the road. And until you get where you need to be, you're going to be going the other way. You're going with God through the desert for a while. You're going with God through the desert to the Red Sea. So understand this. This desert that you're in may be leading you to the biggest test of your faith yet. You say, oh, I'm encouraged now. Thank you. For sharing that word with me. Now I'm all excited. The desert that you're in is forcing you to pray and fast and feed on the word. You're going to need that strength when you get to the Red Sea. You don't know what it looks like at the Red You don't know what it's going to be like when you get there and the enemy's got you trapped. You're going to need the strength that came from the desert when you get to the Red Sea. We say, well, why is God going to make me go to the Red Sea? Why is he going to put me in that situation? Because God has something bigger for you than what you have for yourself. God wants you to do something special and spectacular with your life. God doesn't want your road to be easy. Because God needs hardened warriors carrying his banner. People that aren't going to quit when they come up against an enemy. If it was so easy, everybody would do it.
You're going to be ready for the battle one day, but it's not today. And God knows the way that you need to go. And so he's leading you. He's ensuring that you'll get to the Red Sea. Because he knows you need the experience that's going to happen there. And he knows the victory that's going to happen there is going to boost your faith. And it's going to change your life. And it's going to prepare you to go to the promised land. But you're not there yet. So he's leading you the other way through the desert to the Red Sea. Hmm. If you're in the desert, don't get too discouraged because God is leading you. Just keep following him. There's a breakthrough coming. There's a victory that's coming. And the good news is that even though you're in the desert, there'll be times of refreshing all along the way. So it's not going to be too hard. And this is the third way that God leads. Verse 21 says that God led them from the front. That means the scripture said they could travel by day or by night because God God gave them a cloud or a column of smoke. Whichever one it took for them to be able to see him. He always provided a way for them to be able to see him so that they could know where they were in proximity to him. And the clue was to make sure that he was always in front. If you ever... Look up and find yourself in front of the cloud or the column. Or if you ever look and find it to your side, it means you're in trouble. You have gotten out of the plan and the purpose of God and his will for your life. Well, why would that happen to people? Because I'm telling you, when you're in a desert, you do just about whatever you got to do to get out of it. And in a desert, if you can find you can find a spot and say, all oh, the whole group's over here and they're in the desert and it stinks over here. But you say, hey, over there, I see some trees and water and an oasis. It looks like there's food and I'm going to run off over there. You get over and you say, hey, why don't you all come over here? God says, because we're not over there. We're over here. And we're going somewhere. And you better get with us. Or else you're going to be on your own. God leads from the front, not from behind. He never puts himself in a position for you to tell him where we're going. And though sometimes the paths we pick for ourselves may seem good at the moment, it always turns up being a dead end. You got to stay behind the column and the cloud. Stay with the presence. There's protection in the presence of God. Nowhere else. The provision, the protection, the promotion of God always happen in his presence. Stay close enough that you can see him, that you're following him, and that you can hear his voice. He leads from the front. Don't get attached to anything here. That was the problem with the children of Israel. They'd pitch their tents and they'd they'd get everything just set. They might be there for several weeks. They might be there several months. They might just be there a few days. And all, all of a sudden, the column of the cloud would move. And when they, heard the, when they saw the column of the cloud moving, everybody had to hurry real quick and get their stuff together and go. They'd be like, oh, man, I don't want it. I liked it here. Why are we leaving this spot? We had water here. We had food right here. Where are we going now? I mean, who made this stupid decision? We've only been here a couple of days. Who made the decision to leave now? God. God. Because that's what God does. Oh God, we got a good spot right here. What are you talking about? I mean, the man and quail, you can send them wherever. Send them, send them here to stay. God said, no. I'm leading this thing. That means we can't get it too attached to this world. You know what it means? It's tough, but it means you may have to give up that job. You may have to give up that house. 
You may have to give up those friends. You may have to give up that security in order to follow the presence. But you'll always be glad that you did. As long as you can see God in front of you and not behind you, you're going to be okay. Stay with the presence. And I'll remind you that the Red Sea is coming. But don't let that discourage you. Because along with the Red Sea, there's a great victory coming too. There's an awesome testimony that's about to be yours to share. The people that day, the people of the, the children of Israel, they didn't realize that the desert was a good thing, preparing them for the Red Sea. And they didn't realize that the Red Sea, that it was going to turn out the way it did. They obviously thought it was going to turn out a lot different. The good news for us is we're looking back on it, knowing how it turned out, so we know how it will always turn out for us. We have a, a hand up on this thing as far as they're concerned because we don't. We look back in faith. They had to look forward. We're able to look back on what they did, and we're like, hey, I'm I mean, I, I know if I get the Red Sea, the Lord's going to open up and prepare a way for me. They didn't know that. But we do. We just got to stay with the cloud. We just have to stay with the presence. There's an awesome testimony that's about to be ours. Next week, we're going to hear amazing words of, of encouragement that God gave the people. I'm more excited about next week's message than I was today. I'm telling you, some, there's some things about next week that just blow, just blowing me away. I'm so fired up about it. I want to preach it all today, but if I'd have been, I'd have been preaching for about four hours today if I'd have preached this whole message. I knew there's a few of you that'd stay with me, but a bunch wouldn't have. I don't blame you. I can't hardly bear to hear myself preach more than 45 minutes in. I try to keep it at 30. I don't get bored with myself until about after 30. Is God leading you on the long way, the other way? Is he always in front? If God is leading you, be encouraged regardless of where you're at. Listen to this. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at in the desert, if God is leading, be encouraged. Because it means you're with him and he's with you. You don't want to be anywhere else. You don't want to be in a really cool, great place. You don't want to be in a place where you have every, all your needs met and you're comfortable if God's not there. You want to be wherever God is, wherever that means. Holy Spirit speaking to somebody right now because you're being asked to make some really tough decisions. And this word is speaking to your heart because you're being, you're being told in the spirit that there's certain things that you have to turn loose of in order to stay with the cloud. And it's hard for you. But it's always the right way. You're with God. God is with you. The way to the Red Sea is not a fun way. But it's the right way. I want to conclude with this little story. And I know, or this illustration. I know you've probably all heard this. I don't say it to be trite. But it so aptly illustrates what this word is about. The story of the little boy who came upon the cocoon. And he watched the butterfly inside the cocoon struggling with all of its might to get out. So he ran into the house feeling sorry for the butterfly and got a pair of scissors. And he came and clipped the end so the butterfly could get out. And sure enough, the butterfly got out. But he fell straight to the ground, laid there for a little while, flapped his wings and died. Perfectly illustrates a point. The butterfly didn't need any help. The fight that he was going through in that cocoon was what was building the strength in his wings. 
He wasn't going to get out of the cocoon until his wings were strong enough to help him propel himself from it. And when he came out, then he could fly. The little boy trying to help him take the short route killed him. The long way is what strengthens your wings. The other way strengthens your wings. Keeping God in front of you strengthens your wings. So that someday when you break forth from the cocoon, you'll fly instead of fall. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the opportunity we have to hear it. Let it change our hearts. Speak to us now, Lord, as we grapple with this word in our spirit. What are you saying to us? How are you changing us? What do you want us to do? Pastor Neil is going to lead us here in a moment. And we're going to do what we always do, folks. We're going to turn this into a, a, an atmosphere, a, a, a house of prayer. And we're going to open these altars up to people. And you could come down to the front. You can walk around the church. You can kneel where you're at. I don't care how you do it, but we always finish with prayer because we want to deal with the word that God has given us. We want to have a chance to let that seed take root in our heart and we want to pray and talk to the Holy Spirit about what he's doing in our life I start this season of prayer this morning by inviting those of you who don't know Christ as your Savior to do so and I urge you I'm telling you folks we are living in the last days there's no question the way signs are lining up there's some amazing things that are going to happen in the spirit realm this, this year between September the 23rd and the 28th. I'm not saying that the Lord is coming because nobody knows the day or hour. I don't know that. There's going to be some events that take place that a lot of people are just not even going to, they probably won't even pay any attention to. But those that know the word are going to see between the 23rd and the 28th of this month, they're going to see prophecy unfold right in front of them. And the Lord could come at any minute. The Pope is coming to town and there is an agenda. There are some things that are going to happen in the heavenlies that, that don't happen. Significant things are going to happen in the spirit. I'm not trying to frighten you, but I'm going to tell you this. There's not anything in this world worth missing heaven for. And I would urge you, not for the sake of an emotional response, but rather for the sake of I truly want to have a relationship with Christ. I don't want you to miss what's going to happen. But before too long, God's going to take the church out of here. We're going to leave. We may be in the desert and we may be right on the edge of the Red Sea. The Lord's preparing the church. But man, he's fixing to open up the Red Sea. We're going to go across, guys. We're going to go across. We're going to end up in the promised land. God's preparing the church don't miss it I would say to you we're all praying nobody's looking but we're all praying for you if you're that person that would say pastor I need to ask Christ to come into my heart I got to get my life right I got to make sure I'm ready to go to heaven I want to make sure then I want you to stand to your feet very quickly whoever that is stand to your feet let's continue with this this time amen I need a couple of, I want a couple of men come down here. A couple of, uh, Kevin, would you come? And Stephen, would you come? This young man who, Lonnie, send this young man up here. He stood up. Come on up here. Come on up here. I want, I want you to come and, 
you guys pray with him. He's standing up because he's taking a stand for the Lord, preparing his heart for Jesus. That's awesome. Pray with him, guys. Pray with him. Lead him to Christ. Anybody else? It's your opportunity. All right. How about this then, folks? How about you're the one that's on the long way? You feel like you're on the long way? Anybody in this room saying, Pastor, wow, I feel like he's leading me the long way. I, I thought there was a shorter route, but I am finding out real quick. This is a long way home, and, I, and I'm struggling. If that's you, then respond to the word today. Those of you that say, I'm, in the, I'm on the other way. Man, God has taken me the other way. I thought I was ready to take on the devil, but man, I am just, I am in the middle of a fight. I'm on the other way. And for those of you then that would say, I'm examining, I'm examining my life. I think I might have gotten in front of God on this one. I may be seeing the column behind me instead of in front. I may be seeing the cloud to my side instead of in front. If that's the case, then examine your life today and get your perspective right. Get God back in front. Get behind Him again. Get yourself in check. As Neil leads us in these songs, I want you to get up regardless of what the need might have been that we've addressed. I want you to, to contend with this word. You come and find yourself a place around these altars, around these front seats, somewhere in this church. We're going to conclude our time today by allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to our heart and deal with his word. Will you do that? You need to come? Come on. Come on right now. Come on down. Let's fill these altars up.